Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. You know, I, I've noticed just uh, acknowledging that I have a bit of sadness. And I'm trying to figure out why do I, why do I have this sadness? Why, why the melancholy? And it's not the same as what I'm seeing on the cable news channels or the Twitter feed and everything like that. Um, exactly. The whole, it's sad that, you know, Trump supporters are so evil and crazy that they stormed the Capitol a year ago. My sadness is that after Joe Biden's speech today, there's, there's just no one interested in dealing with the problem that the extremes of both parties are out of control and violent. And, uh, and and there's nobody willing to try to rise above one side and say, we need to stop both sides from being crazy and violent. Yeah. We need to take back the conversation from the extremes on both sides and, 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 and end this craziness. Nobody's doing that. The president didn't do it. I'm not seeing any major columnists doing it, really. It's, not only is that not the dominant talking point, it's just it's practically non-existent. That just goes to show how people really are, what their priorities actually are, what their uh, what they love. What is you know, my mind is uh, going back. Oh, coming up, brain surgeons, rocket scientists are no smarter than the rest of us. Stay tuned. Um, my mind goes back to the whole Citizens United uh, Supreme Court ruling, where they said, no, according to the First Amendment, if a corporation wants to pool money together and buy political ads, you have to let them. And everybody decried that, oh, it's going to ruin politics, it's going to ruin our government, oh, no. And nobody foresaw the Internet, small political contributions, and the fact that the way to get the most of them is get people as whipped up and angry and hateful as you possibly can. Please, Citizens United was a drop of water in the ocean of hyperpartisan anger. Who knew? Right. So I'm reading the 100-Year Marathon, the fabulous book by somebody Pillsbury. Michael Pillsbury. Michael the Doughboy Pillsbury, who probably grew up being called that over and over in school. That's why he's so good with his fists. Anyway. <laughs> he's actually a brainiac. I don't know how good he is with his fists, but uh, it's a great book about China and how important subversion is to the Chinese strategy. It goes back to their their study of their own history and warfare within China, that the victor was always the, the party, the, the regime, the, the province, whatever, that didn't let on that they were a threat. They acted like a friend while sowing the seeds of, of downfall for their opponents, and they sprung the trap at the last minute and won the great victory. But it's all about deceit, and that is not decry- that's not condemned in Chinese culture. That's celebrated. Deceit is cleverness. So anyway, you just have to know that going in. Uh, the Olympics are starting on the 4th of February, or so I'm told. I've always loved the Olympics. I love them less the more I learn about them. Particularly like the Chinese uh, Olympic, uh, the, the, what would you call it? Um, their their machine, the Chinese Olympic machine, where they grab toddlers out of homes. You don't get a say in this. You don't volunteer for it. They snatch the toddlers out at homes. They give them all tests. 
uh, physical test, coordination test, and the top, you know, tenth of a percent gets whisked away. The parents, again, they get no say in it, and they become uh, uh, tools of the state, Olympic athletes. Anyway. Uh, then you got all the corruption and the money and the drugs and the, the, the roids and the transgender women and the rest of it. There's plenty not to like, but that's all a long preamble to this. The Chinese government has hired a firm to recruit social media influencers all over the world as part of a new digital operation to promote the Olympics and to, and to make China come off as great as possible. It's smart. Um, yeah, they're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'd be surprised if it doesn't go into millions um, to pay people to make posts to focus on Beijing and China's elements, Beijing's history, cultural relics, modern life of the people, new trends, the Chinese the athletes' participation or preparations, touching moments, just anything positive about China or the Olympics. I'll be interested to see how this plays. I just, I, I feel like. I feel like the opening ceremonies will be unwatchable, for instance. I don't think I can watch it. I don't think I can watch They had the most spectacular opening ceremonies in Beijing in whatever year that was. They had the Summer Olympics. 2008 or whenever that was. Yeah. Everybody was. This was before, and it seems embarrassing now. This is before we all figured out they're an evil country that has been pulling our leg for uh, half a century. Yeah, any pretense at being a friend or a cooperator or or being just it was all a lie. It was always a lie. So, Don't I, trust China. But I assume they're going to have this spectacular, you know, kids dancing around and fireworks show and all this sort of stuff in an amazing building. And I'll be thinking, yeah, you, you got slave labor. You're uh, you're gang raping people you don't like. I mean, you're stealing intellectual property from us and all over the world. Screw you and your fireworks show. I well, just I, being bent on world domination is another thing. Yeah, yeah, and you want to enslave the whole world into the things I just was talking about. Right. I just I can't see watching the ceremonies and taking any enjoyment whatsoever about it. And I don't know how the average American is, but God, I, I would think the opening ceremonies ratings will be the lowest ever, and that the number of people that have any interest in seeing. Uh, a totalitarian dictatorship show off their power. Who's interested in that? Right, right, exactly. And one of the points, one of the main points of Pillsbury's book is that China has systematically, intentionally denied up and down that they have any interest in world domination, of being the hegemon, is the term we throw around in political science, being the top dog and ruling everybody. That is their number one goal. They are sworn to it. They are. It, they feel it to their bones. And when they are in charge, it will be genocide, slavery, and rape worldwide. And if you're a fan of those things, we'll celebrate the Chinese. So anyway, I'm Joseph Getty. I'm not Joseph McCarthy. But if you see posts on social media talking about, boy, China is beautiful and what a rich history. And, oh, my gosh, the Chinese athletes are just blah, blah, blah. That person is probably on the payroll of the communist Chinese. Interesting. It's a smart thing to do. You know, they're an evil country, but it's smart. They're good at it. They're they're better at being evil. Quite possibly better at it than any country in the history of the world, which is why, it's why they've got a decent chance of getting over. It is a smart strategy, and I almost missed it because I'm no brain surgeon, Jack. <laughs> New study out says brain surgeons and rocket scientists are no smarter than the rest of us. Now, always in these kind of conversations, you got to define smart. 
What do you mean? Do you? Well, do you? Do you really? I gotta believe that the average. Well, depends on how you define smart. the The average brain surgeon, rocket scientist, has got to have more brain power than most of us. But if, yeah, in terms kinda. of like being as good at raising kids or anything else, I don't, I don't suppose they have any advantage. Well, and if you are smart enough to, I don't know, even consider being a brain surgeon, you've already figured out where we're going with this. Uh, but we will. Oh, really? See, I haven't figured I'll anything out, but I, I just saw a squirrel out the window, so I got distracted. Look at it. Look at, look at its fluffy tail. <laughs> the tail was so fluffy. Wait a second, there's something shiny over there. What is that shiny thing? Well, we'll explain for Jack and others. Guy, <laughs> kid, it's you know, it's fairly interesting. Okay, I, I think it's, it's have, some of it's obvious. Have you listened to the like, Armstrong and Getty show? It's fairly interesting. <laughs> yeah. That's you mm. know, it's our standard today. Mm. It's good enough. Eh, what? Fairly interesting. You know, we'll try to be like quite interesting, but if we're fairly interesting, yeah, eh, better than enough. a sharp stick in the eye. Huh? Sure, it's Thursday. What do you want out of us? <laughs> He has become, for Republicans, as much of a uh, sort of figure of hatred, a hate object, as President Obama was. You know, the, the black president. Like, I mean, he was his vice president. Maybe that's part of it. I don't know what it is. Why is just, Joy Reid on the air? I mean, why, why, why do we play her tapes? She's nobody. She's a racist idiot. She is a nobody, and she is a racist. I don't think she's an idiot. Uh, I think she's playing the game that will uh, make you money in the modern world, but it fits into my sadness today of, uh, you know, one year after the Capitol being stormed by, uh, I think, crazy people who were hell-bent on stopping our country from functioning. Um, we're no closer on reining in the crazies on either side. We're still many, many, many people trying to profit from them and create more of them because there's money in it and ratings in it. Right. Yeah, absolutely true. So uh, I'm no rocket scientist, but I could have told you that uh, rocket scientists are, well, they're smarter in some ways than the rest of us, but not really. Study of nearly 400 scientific and medical professionals has revealed that stereotyped smarty pants like brain surgeons and rocket scientists on average are not much smarter than anybody else. They just have specialized abilities. Just in general intelligence, you mean? Yeah, researchers enlisted 329 rocket scientists, 72 neurosurgeons, literally rocket scientists and brain surgeons, to tackle a dozen tasks via the Great British Intelligence Test, an online cognitive exam constructed by Imperial College of London and the BBC. Uh, task measured their skills in several areas of cognition, including planning, rapid memory recall, emotional processing, and compared their results to about 19,000 other people. Tests showed that each profession correlated with one area of intelligence more than the others. And those of us who have been interested in intelligence and have studied it are kind of familiar with this. But I saw a uh, headline the other day that said uh, something about new new study shows that the idea that there are different kinds of intelligences has been wrong all along. And I didn't read it. I wanted to because there there clearly are different kinds of intelligences. Yeah, you know, that the fact that I use the word intelligences shows that I'm not good at one particular area. Well, 
Uh, luckily, it's not important to our line of work. Right. Um, so, uh, for example, neuroscientists scored higher in language-based solving, uh, problem-solving. Aerospace engineers better at spatial reasoning, not surprisingly. Their overall averages were pretty much on par with the general public. Well, uh, that doesn't surprise me, I, I guess. Um, although I would have ex- expected that your average brain surgeon or rocket scientist just has an overall higher IQ than average, but I guess not. Well, I, I, they probably have deficits that kind of average out their exceptional abilities. Um, the one where we really make the mistake, if you do believe there are different areas of being intelligent. Well, and if I, I honestly think if you deny that, you're dumb. Ironically. Is people that tend to be celebrities for their particular level of intelligence, like oh. you can act or play the piano really well or something. The assumption that those people who have a level of intelligence that allows them to understand their line of work or their expertise better, they're clearly no smarter about politics or child rearing or anything else than anybody else. Or, or my favorite example, because when you pass air over your vocal cords, it makes a pleasing sound. Therefore, you are superior to anyone. Singers. I mean, that's the craziest one. You have to study for years, unless you're some sort of crazy prodigy, to be a, an accomplished pianist. Good but point. you can sing beautifully out of the womb. Right. You either can or can't. Right. Yeah, exactly. As the, the great Michael Stipe of REM once said, my sinuses are shaped in such a way that it makes a pleasing sound when I sing. That's and, pretty much it. And then you I com- think he undersold himself. but And then you combine that with good looks. Which right. also is, is not so. So it's a pleasing sound comes out of your throat that happens to be, uh, you know, on pitch. Which again is just you're either born that way or you're not. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you're good looking. And we assign certain wisdom to you. Yeah, humans are dumb. <laughs> Means we're not intelligent. Who are we? Uh, who are we complaining about here? It's not their fault. They're pretty and can sing. It's our fault for thinking that makes you, therefore, or you're pretty and can hit a baseball. Right. Right. Yeah. Stupid, pretty baseball players. I hate them. <laughs> Emotional intelligence is an interesting one. I've got uh, one kid that clearly has a high level of that. It's just really interesting. Mm-hmm. You, you, you read other people and understand that whole game in a way that, just intuitively, in a way that not everybody does. Right. Right. Yeah, And if you've ever been around people that really don't have that, I mean, like, are really exceptionally bad at it, it's weird. Right. And, and you know, there there are people, uh, hmm, uh, I'll be vague. There are people who I care about a great deal who are very, very bad at remembering what the other person knows when they're telling a story, for instance. <laughs> I was talking to Jim about the festival. Who is Jim? Oh, Jim is blah, 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 blah. Okay. What festival? Blah, 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 blah. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Now I'm tracking. And it's not a sin. No. It's not. A, it's just It's a, some people's brains work better at some things than others. So. No, it's fascinating. And uh, oh, yeah. I, I think moving toward a world where we accept that you either have that or you don't. Not that you can't improve on all these things uh, with, with effort and practice, but... You know, if a uh, if a uh, a fly ball is hit my direction, my brain's ability to calculate do I need to take a couple steps forward or backward is not very good compared to other people's. Yeah, and you can get better at it, but you're probably not going to get great at it. My ability to understand on a musical instrument, you know, scales and how to apply them is 
better than average. But it's not because of anything I did. <laughs> it's just, it just that's just the way my brain works. Right, right. Or math so, or language or anything else. So anyway, go with what uh, what skills and gifts you have and be proud of them. Unless you have none, then God help you. Everybody's got some, right? You just have to figure it out. Oh uh, yeah. Like yeah, what, if you're, what if you're an amazing tap dancer and you just never put on the shoes and gave it a whirl? Wow. You just have all, am. You have all the intelligence to just be a stunning tap dancer, but you never tried it. You know, that reminds me, we have our freedom-loving quote of the day to kick off the show. It's actually the second segment of the show, um, and, and I'm doing kind of New Year's-themed, looking-forward uh, th- pieces of wisdom this week. And one of them that we used today was, uh, it is never too late to be what you might have been. Hmm. With some notable exceptions. You know, Miss Teen Nebraska? <laughs> yes, it's too effing late if you're 50. That ship has sailed for you, I'm telling you. Right, right, right. <laughs> but putting aside those obvious exemptions, <laughs> exceptions, it is never too late to be what you might have been. Yeah, that's pretty good. So just think about it. So Biden gave a divisive speech today on a day when he could have at least tried to bring us together he went a different direction. He decided. He whipped up anger and division. Yeah, because he thought it benefited him, I guess. Trump has reacted to the speech. Oh, good. So we've got both of those things we can bring you up to speed on next. Oh, golly. Brace yourselves, friends. Brace <laughs> yourselves. <laughs> so if you miss an hour, grab the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. We must be absolutely clear about what is true and what is a lie. And here's the truth. The former president of the United States of America has created and spread a web of lies about the 2020 election. He's done so because he values power over principle. Because he sees his own interest as more important than his country's interest, than America's interest. And because his bruised ego matters more to him than our democracy or our Constitution. Joe Biden, a couple hours ago on the anniversary of the January 6th riot, insurrection, attempted coup, whatever you want to call it. Demonstration, whatever. Um, That's the route that Joe Biden decided to go for whatever reason. Governor Larry Hogan of Maryland, moderate Republican, he said the extremes of both parties are tearing the country apart. I was thinking Joe Biden would give some sort of speech like that. But he didn't. He went with uh, it's Trump and his crazy supporters. All right. So nothing else played a role in that, right? The the years and years of accepting violence all across the country didn't play any role in any of this. The years and years of denying election results, right? Hello, not accepting uh, Stacey Abrams losing in Georgia or Hillary Clinton losing to Trump or George Bush losing to Al Gore. All the years of playing well, games I with Bush won, but go on. I got a backwards. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Mr. Vice President, <laughs> the the years and years of playing that game of, uh, you know, not showing up to an inaugurations because you didn't believe they were legitimately elected 
both sides did that. So none of this stuff plays a role. Come on, of course it does. Was yeah. was January 6th worse? Yes, but it's a point on a continuum. And it's going to continue to get worse. The next thing will be worse than that unless somebody stands up and tries to stop the trajectory of this. What I think is interesting about Biden's speech is the number of things he uh, accused Trump of um, that he is guilty of by giving that very speech. Michael, can you play that clip again? Let's let's see how many things the speech is uh, self-indicting Biden for. We must be absolutely clear about what is true and what is a lie. Right in the history of the thing. And here's the truth. The former president of the United States of America has created and spread a web of lies yep. about the 2020 election. He's done so because he values power over principle. Like you're doing here. Because he sees his own interest mm-hmm. as more important than his country's interest, than America's interest. Exactly, yeah. And because so. his bruised ego matters more to him than our democracy or our constitution. Well, in your case, it's less bruised ego than senility. But, uh, yeah, why are you not putting the country in, 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 in front of being angry at Donald J. Trump? Right, and I'm make it perfectly clear there are plenty of Republicans that aren't saying the right things either today. Sure, uh, but they're not president of the United States. The president had the opportunity to do that there, and he didn't. And you know, and not even today. The whole Georgia going back to the electoral laws of pre-COVID are Jim Crow on steroids. That is one of the worst things that's been said in American history. you going to tell me that kind of... You're talking about Trump denying the election and spreading lies and it led to violence. You think that doesn't lead to violence? Talking to black America or white America that cares about black America and saying what Georgia's doing is Jim Crow on steroids? Come on! This makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. We all have... Whatever that meant. We (laughs) all have to stop playing these games. But nobody's willing to. Well, right. And that's that's why we're not guilty, by the way, of what about ism, because we're willing to deal with both sides of it. I'll tell you this. And I, I said this during the primaries. I've said it consistently. One of my great worries about Trump is that he didn't really have a sense of the importance of the Constitution and the limits on power of the presidency and the history of the country. And he just he's a businessman and a pretty capable one. And a pretty creative one. Um, but I didn't feel like he was steeped enough in the, the respect for the traditions of the country. It turns out a lot of politicians aren't. Um, and I think he was surrounded by people who fed him crap. Whether it's the Sidney Powell or, or Rudy Giuliani, who's completely unhinged, or whatever. And I thought, I think he bought some stuff that he should not bought have bought. Some some stuff that was not true. And he spread it. A bunch of his, by the way, the people who stormed the Capitol have made statements saying, I was misled, I'm ashamed, now I realize how wrong I was about the election, blah, blah, blah. So... This is not what aboutism. This is about, and everybody knows this, whether you're talking about children or a marriage or, or making a deal in business, whether you're settling a bar fight, whether you get just every single conflict in the history of mankind, for Biden not to come out and say there is wrong on both sides. If we're serious about coming together and healing the wound, we need to come clean and reconcile. There was not a single ounce of that in his speech. 
Trump reacted to the speech. Have that for you in a second. So Lindsey Graham, you remember a year ago tomorrow, the day after, Lindsey Graham said, Trump and I, we've had a hell of a journey. I hate it to end this way. Oh, my God, I hate it. All I can say is count me out. Enough is enough. At least a year ago tomorrow, he had decided he had to make a clean break with Trump. But obviously he recalculated over the ensuing weeks and months. As did many Republicans. As did many Republicans. To not do so, they considered political suicide. Uh, In the same way that you're never going to hear a Democrat say, hey, turns out BLM are Marxists. I disavow them. Right. You're just you're committing political suicide. Dick Cheney. So they had the moment of silence on the House floor a little bit ago. Presided over by Nancy Pelosi. Make it a month of silence. Shut up. <laughs> uh, and Dick Cheney was on the floor. Former really? representative from Wyoming, and his daughter is currently a representative from Wyoming. And For he, now. He was asked, uh, you think she could lose? Oh, yeah. yeah. Think she's going to lose? Yeah. Her polls are not great. Wow. Um, Dick Cheney was on the floor, asked why he was there. He said, and it's important. It's an important historical event. You can't overestimate how important it is, saying, I'm de- deeply disappointed we don't have better leadership in the Republican Party to restore the Constitution. Well, I wish there were more uh, top-level Republicans and top-level Democrats like Joe Biden who are willing to uh, take this head on the way we've just been discussing, but there aren't. There are a few. Senator Rick Scott of Florida, who's a Republican, said, I think it's disgusting that people broke into the Capitol. They should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law, and I hope it never happens again. Um, but now i got to get to what Trump's uh, reply was to Biden. He doesn't get to tweet anymore, as we all know. So he's on, what is he on, Getter or his own uh, social media platform? This is from the Washington Examiner, so apparently he just told them. He watched Joe Biden's speech and released a lengthy statement attacking the president. This political theater is all just a distraction for the fact that Biden has completely and totally failed, Trump wrote. Due to inept leadership that gave us open borders, COVID incompetence, loss of energy independence, and military and chaos, rampant inflation, corrupt elections, and lack of world standing for our nation, perhaps for the first time, our nation for the first time has lost its confidence. Interesting angle from Trump there. If he'd have left out the one part about corrupt elections, I think he can get reelected. If he just hammers Biden on COVID, border, inflation, I'm a businessman, remember what the economy was like, he could win again. He could get the nomination and he could win. If he continues to hammer that the election was stolen, he doesn't have a chance, in my opinion. But, yeah, I would agree if he just focused on the issues. But, of course, you know, if Trump in the first debate had been Trump in the second debate, he'd have won. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in spite of, and I know, y'all, I know, don't bother writing your emails. We know. In spite of all of the legacy media ganging up, in spite of all of the tech giants ganging up, in spite of all of the hijinks that we all know about, he still would have won if Trump had been able to discipline himself. But, you know, I don't know. People either want to hear it or they don't. Uh, that's fine. I can respect that. Do you... Um, was Biden particularly focusing on Trump and, like, re, re, restating all that sort of stuff because he's afraid Trump is going to run against him? 
I mean, is it just is that just an opening speech in the 2024 presidential election? That absolutely could be the obvious. The, the 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 first answer I'd give is that, and this is obvious, the legacy media and the Democratic Party felt like it was good times when it was all about Trump, and now that it's not all about Trump, and they have to deal with the issues that we were just discussing. Oh, that's way tougher, way more difficult and complicated for them. So it could be. Biden just wants to refocus on Trump leading up to the midterms, hmm. which are, God help us, this year. <laughs> we'll finish strong. That's our uh, rep. We finish really strong. Oh, yeah, we got a great kick. We're known for that. Oh, yeah. We're a fourth quarter team is what we are. And we've got that for you next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Hey, so BMW's got a new car that you can change the color of. So the Consumer Electronics Show is going on right now. I love the Consumer Electronics Show. And on this January 6th somber or something or other, um, uh, I look forward to uh, switching my mindset to something a little more fun. Uh, the Computer Electro- Consumer Electronics Show... Um, Releasing a number of things we'll probably talk about tomorrow, but BMW has a new car. So, are you familiar with the wraps that they put on vehicles now? That's a popular thing to do. And sure, yeah, you see some business advertised or what have you, yeah. or just a different color, and it's got a different feel to it. So you can instead of painting your car, you just put a wrap on it of whatever color you want. Well, this particular wrap, you can change the color of it. It's got some sort of skin on there. Electrophoretic technology. Yeah, I you, thought so. You can change it from silver to white to red to black or whatever. You can just change the color of your car whenever you want. If you're fleeing from a crime scene, for instance. That's funny. That's more or less what Alex said. So both of you, you all just go immediately to awful things you could do with it. Well, yeah. I mean, mine was just to avoid paying the tolls on the bridge, not committing you know, felonies. That wasn't me. Well, I don't think the tolls on the bridge go with, it was a blue car. I think they take a picture of your license plate, sir. I'll put now, a wrap you can on get that a, one, then. If I, exactly. You get me a license plate that can change numbers, you're going to see some fast driving. It was a blue car. <laughs> um, I, it, You know, it's funny. I'm thinking this through in real time. Uh, at first, it sounded cool, and then I immediately have gone to... How cool would it be for how long? So I kind of like a silver car, and I'm perfectly happy with the staying silver. I don't know that there are days where it would be that much enjoy- and more enjoyable if it were red all of a sudden. You know, I kind of wish I'd gotten my car in a different color than I did, but I don't think about it much. <laughs> you know what I'd be worried about? And I'm speaking for myself and people whose brains work kind of like mine. I would go out into the parking lot and forget which color I'd left it. Oh, don't! My work. Oh, am I looking for a white car or a blue one? I can't remember. My brother has volunteered to drive my uh, SUV back from Denver. So I went, I drove from California. To, my intent was to drive from California to Kansas and back for uh, a little Christmas get together with the family. And I did it with the boys, and we we're going to drive halfway across the country and back. And, you know, what a fun trip. Uh, but weather did not cooperate, and I did enough driving through blizzards and was worried enough about not making it all the way back that we got a flight out of Denver and left my SUV there. And my plan was to fly back to Denver this weekend and drive it home, which doesn't sound like a lot of fun. It's a mm-hmm. 17-hour drive. 
Actually, I would kind of enjoy it, but I got other things to do. But my brother volunteered. He said, I got plenty of vacation time, and I've always wanted to drive halfway across the country. Oh, that's great. Win-win. So he's going to do it. But I committed to memory where my car is parked in the immense Denver International Airport parking garage. I know how to get there easily. Not sure I can explain to him how to get there. Oh, boy. How he's going to find... You don't have Building C, Row J? No. <laughs> I know exactly where it is, though. I don't. I didn't need to do that, because right. I know exactly where it is. Sure. I know which elevator to get off, where, etc. Next to this, I can walk straight to my car. But yeah. I don't know how to tell somebody else how to do that in a way that I think would work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how he's going to find Wow. So what are you going to do? You're going to like get him on the phone, have him go to the terminal, then you close your eyes. What and do you say, see? Do you see the Coke right. machine? The Coke machine on the left? I don't see a Coke machine. God dang it, there's got to be a Coke machine there somewhere. Watch your left, there's a Coke machine. <laughs> Still don't see the Coke machine. Yeah, that's why. Well, and I've also seen via email, and we should probably acknowledge this, via email and Twitter and whatever else folks have, have said, hey, Jack, I'd be happy to. I live in the Siri, area. I'd or love whatever, to blah, blah. steal your car. Well, no. And never hear from me again oh, as a random so emailer. Cynical. Here I am going to salute the generosity and kindness of the folks, and you turn it ugly. Um, but I was so glad to see that many people uh, volunteer because I have a loaf of bread. I need to be in the Yukon by tomorrow at noon. Okay? <laughs> Stop. Swing by my house. Some nice dark rye. No, it was a nice number of people that were willing to drive my SUV back if they were serious about it and weren't just going to disappear. Um, with used car values being the highest they've ever been. The average used vehicle is now worth $30,000, which is incredible. Wow. Wow. Used to be you drove it off the lot and you lost a third of your value or a half or whatever. I like that's true. I'd like to tell the cops or my insurance guy, so how did your car get stolen? Well, I gave the keys to a guy. Who? I don't really know. (laughs) He emailed me. (laughs) (laughs) His name is Rick on the email. So you just gave your keys to a random person who emailed you? Yes. Yes, that is what I did. (laughs) Do you think you can catch him, (laughs) officer? (laughs) Oh, well. I'm happy January 6th is over, at least for this show. I will take in some other commentary on it, but I I don't feel like there's anything that has really happened today that's helped the country. People screaming the same old things at each other. And now... To continue on with the pitter-patter of petering out, it's Final Thoughts with Armstrong and Getty. I like that. Is that supposed to be anybody, or is that just uh, home kind of homespun? Just kind of homespun. I like it. I like it. Here's your it's host. It's not for... Dr. Phil or anything? Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. The pitter-patter of petering out. Hey, let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew to wrap things up for the day. There he is, our technical director, the invaluable Michelangelo in the controller room. Michael? You know, Jack, here's what I'm hoping happens is that your brother returns, quote, your car. It looks like your car, but it's not quite your car. It just has a broken <laughs> broken window, you know, and he just said, here it is. I think this is it. Mm. I brought you a car. Uh, young Alex, our behind-the-scenes producer, has a final thought for us. Alex? You know, I'm still thinking about the color-changing car, and I think how great would it be that I just, hey, I don't know where my car is. You talk, uh, was it red? Was it blue? There should be a button on the key. It turns it rainbow. It just starts flashing all the different colors. Easy to find that way. Well, you could win a lot of bets, too. Just make a reference to my blue car, and somebody said, I watch you pull up. Your car is red. Mm. It's blue, I'm telling you. Let's walk outside. 20 bucks says my car. Anyway, uh, Jack, final thought? 
A serious final thought. I'm looking at this L.A. Times uh, op-ed about Biden's speech today. The way he's looking at it, this guy Noah Bierman, uh, Biden just conceded that we can't go back to a pre-Trump world. Um, and there's a certain, well, he could have tried. I think as president of the United States, he should have tried. But it's basically just saying, no, we're not going back to a pre-tribal world. We're going to continue down the path of my side's right, your side's evil, and see how that turns out. That, that's what Joe Biden did today. Yeah, I would agree. I think my final thought is is 100% agreement with that point. I'd like to read that uh, column. And I think it's a damn shame. You know, I'm not ready to give up or anything, but uh, boy, some that we need a hell of a lot more wisdom and a hell of a lot less clickbait these days. And fundraising. Yeah. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank. So little time. Please do go to armstrongandgetty.com. We have a lot of great hot links for you there. A bunch of stories we talked about, a bunch of stories we didn't talk about. You can email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. If you see something we ought to be talking about, send it along. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Oh, all the podcasts are there, too. Cool. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless America. All right, I just got one final question. Have you been a good little Nazi? We said yes. Yeah, you did. You absolutely did. And it's not. Point of personal privilege. I want winner. You're a loser. Oh, Congressman. What a load of fatuous nonsense. This is the fun part. We are opening the aperture. LGDP, LGT, LBG. It's a little too much docky dog. These conversations are intrinsically multifaceted. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. On that high note, thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty.